1: All right, Dan, thank you so much. Uh, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, uh, wherever you are tuning in from around the world. We've got, we've got, 100, we've got we have hundreds of marketers joining the line right now. I can see them coming in as they come in. Welcome. Uh, it's great to be back uh, yet for another Marketing Experiments Web Clinic. We have an interesting topic for today. We're going to be looking at calls to action. Calls to action, the the title of today's presentation is The Most Effective Calls to Action, Five Principles Discovered for Increasing Customer Response. Calls to action are integral to every single kind of marketing campaign that exists, whether offline or online. (laughs) And we get a lot of questions about calls to action. Oftentimes when I'm out teaching, uh, doing landing page optimization courses, value proposition training or, or what have you, I will get questions from students and we get questions from our audience. Hey, can you show me like a good button? Could you show me a good call to action? Could you show me uh, kind of what's working or, or what, what is it that actually makes a call to action effective? And so what we've done is instead of, you know, instead of just trying to give you some rules or best practices that we've you know, pulled from... A survey of marketers or even pulled from uh, you know web forums or blog posts. we actually wanted to test our way into bringing you something, giving you some uh, really concrete Answers to that question. What is, what, what is an effective call to action? So, what we want to do is we want to actually kind of, uh, what we've done is we've looked at over, uh, really over a decade of experimentations of tests. We've got the world's largest library of case studies and, uh, and, and really A-B experiments, uh, testing things like call to action and images and different elements on web pages. And so, what we've done is we've gone back over the past decade and we looked at those tests to, to really ask the question, what are the, what are the kind of the principles. What are the what are the truths that are kind of standing out over time when it comes to calls to action? And, and I, I tell you today, it's, there's some really neat, kind of surprising things that I would not have guessed that have kind of landed in the principles that we've discovered. So that's one thing we want to do. The next thing is. We just want to fill this clinic with examples. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm about to jump into a case study real quick with you, uh, but at the end of the day, I want you to be able to see, hey, here's, here is a call to action that was effective. Here, here is an example of button copy that was effective. Here's button design that was effective. And, and show you examples, but then also give you that kind of underlying principle, uh, that kind of really... Um, made that button effective. So that's that's our objective today. Glad you could join. Again, I still, I still, still see people coming in. Um, as Dan mentioned on the introduction, I uh, want to encourage you to interact with us. Uh, one way you can do that is through GoToWebinar. You have a You have a question and answer feature there that you can use, Uh, that's how you can talk to us, okay? I have a whole team standing by monitoring questions as they come in. I've got a screen, I can see. I'm in a a green studio here, green screen studio, and in front of me is a gigantic monitor of all your questions as they come in. In fact, I got a question right here from Christina. She says, will you be sharing the slides? That is an excellent question, Uh, and if you just came in, you might have missed it when Dan said it, but yes, uh, a week after this presentation, the slide, you'll be sent an email that will give you all, not only the slides to this presentation, but also a video replay uh, of this presentation. Good question. I know a lot of people are wondering that. But so that's, that's how you can interact with us. You get that question and answer feature. and encourage you to just test it out. Make sure you know how to use it. Also, like you can see on the screen, we also use Twitter. Uh, and we would encourage you to. I mean, we, we, for instance, I will be making references throughout the entire presentation today. And you know, I may I may say, you know, we have an article on this, or we have a course on this, or we have a book on this. And what you'll see is, you know, if you want to get links for those, those will be sent via Twitter. So you want to be monitoring uh, the hashtag WebClinic. Also, again, I can see those questions coming in. Uh, that's the place really to have a good public dialogue around the topic of calls to action. Uh, I've got a special guest with me today, Uh, my name is Austin McCraw, Uh, I am the uh, Senior Content Director here at uh, Mech Labs and I've got John Powell, he's a senior senior researcher here who's been doing it for many, many years and he was really the key driver for this research project around calls to action. I believe John's probably running on what, two, three hours of sleep right now? Yeah, (laughs) because he was up all night and the nights before that, Reviewing. I mean, every single test that has a call to action, we have been uh, preparing, we've been reviewing, we've been looking at, and we've been drawing principles uh, from those experiments. So I think I've covered it, and I think at this point it's time to dive right in. And we're going to start, as we usually start, with a case study. So you should be able to see the case study on the screen right now. Uh, This is the background slide. It's test protocol number 1785 from Marketing Experiments Library, and basically, we were working with a large global media company seeking to sell premium software to businesses. That is a very vague description of a company that if I told you, you their name, you would know who they were right away. But anyway, so we were running experimentations with this organization, and the goal of this organization was to move people up in the the funnel, the next step of the funnel. And we were actually particularly just testing that call to action. And our research question was, which button text will actually result in a significant increase? And I love tests like this. Oftentimes we run radical experiments where we're testing many different elements, many different things, but in this test we were focused on just the button text. All right? So I showed you this last week, and I left you a little bit with a cliff. Hanger, but take a look at these five buttons right now. All right, treatment A, start your free trial. Treatment B, try now. Treatment C, start here. Treatment D, get started in. Treatment E, get started now. And let me ask you this. Yep, some of you guys are already starting to answer. You've got the the system here. Uh, maybe you weren't on the web clinic last week where we kind of pitched this experiment and kind of teased it out. But you're here, so I want to know right now. Maybe you've had time to to formulate some regrets on your vote last week, and you'd like to, to kind of take another stab at it. So here we are. We've got some button copies. What do you? Which of these buttons do you think will actually generate more response? And I have so many answers coming through, and I can't even see any pattern. C, C, A, E, B, A, E, E, D, Treatment E, possibly A, but B. Kind of heading your bet there a little bit. A, A, E, D. A, I see some, so I would say I see some A's, see some E's, see some B's, I see some C's and D's. Okay, here's the thing, you guys are all over the map on this one, and, and oftentimes this is the scenario that we all face, right? We're with our, uh, we're with our marketing team in a in a in a group session, and we we have five options in front of us. They may not be called to actions, so maybe anything, maybe images, maybe headlines, mm-hmm. but we all can't come to consensus, all right? And let me say at the end of the day, uh, what I. <laughs> what we were trying to be a proponent here of here is, is not just to go with the best practice, not just to go with the voice of the most influential person in the room or whoever gets paid the most, you know, whoever has the most authority. What we say is you want to test this. And, guys, we did. Would you like to see the results? All right. Some last minute, I see some last-minute vote changes coming in here. All right. Here they are. Here are the results. There you have it. A 12% relative increase in click-through. But you can see the spread here in click rate. Look at it real quick. Now, now let me, let me put these in order for you, okay? Let me put these in order for you. So here you, you see on the screen. Here are the buttons. Remind you what they are. Look at this right now, and let me ask you this. And guys, this is, uh, this is the situation that we are all in when we run a test. We run a test. We get some interesting results. I think at at least even internally here, this was a test in which it would be hard to predict the winner. There there are merits for all these call to actions, but look at the results, and let me ask you this, because this is the key question. Yeah, we got a 12% increase. That's wonderful. I want you to be able to go change your button and get a 12% increase, but if we're going to get to those principles, we have to ask the question, why? So why? Why did Get Started Now outperform free trial. Why did, uh, why did start free trial outperform? I mean, we've seen tests where call to action copy like that has performed well. It's not bad. And let me say this, all those differences are statistically valid differences. So the difference between like the fact that there's a, uh, you, know, 21% in, you know, 21% conversion rate, th- there's a statistical increase over the 19.66% increase. Now, let me look at what's coming in here. So, I've given you some time to think about it. Get Started Now has no implied commitment. Free trial may have an implication that you need to make more commitment. Here you go. Because because the trial is a limited experience, might depend. This is Chris. uh, Might depend on the headline value proposition. Chris, you are... You are, you are touching on something very important. And honestly, uh, I kind of have set you up a little bit, just to be completely honest and transparent. What you should be asking me, in some sense, you should be asking me, hey, what else is going on in the page? And so let me show you, okay? Let me show you right now. So here's... Oh, here it is. So now you can... Now this is, just a, uh, this is just a piece of the page. This is the top piece of the page, the main... Placement for the call to action, you can see it here, free trial, start free trial on the page. I'm having a little issues with the animations here. Okay, I don't know what it looks like on your side, but here you go. My question to you is, now looking at this at the page, why would the next one, which is get started now, outperform start free trial? Tell me that. What does now, knowing the context of the call to action, Give you in terms of the ability to understand why might this button actually outperform the other. I'm seeing your interest. Yes, reduces commitment, matches the headline, it follows the logic. I want to start, yeah, call to action has less friction, more on the value. You are absolutely right. And now let me just, let me just caution you for a minute because we're, we're, we're kind of making some bold claims here. Alright, and that's okay. There's a time to make bold claims, but then there's a time to test. And what we're talking about here is a hypothesis in some sense, right? So we are, uh, you guys are doing exactly what we're doing here in the lab. We, we look at this test and we ask why and we say, you know what? This is, a, this is an offer for apps. Okay, give you more detail about the offer, not just about the presentation. You see the headline, you see the copy, but the overall product also has an, some inherent anxiety. It also has some inherent kind of expectations around apps in terms of low commitment and then also possibly being with the anxiety side of things, being somewhat of a hook or being somewhat of a tease. And so the hypothesis, just like you guys are pointing out, is that the the phrase free trial for that specific segment of customers who maybe are more skeptical, have maybe had bad experiences with apps, that language free trial might be producing some anxiety. It might be producing anxiety. And then for other people who have had experiences with apps where they've only purchased free apps or they're used to just downloading free apps or apps should be free, that kind of mentality, whenever you say something like free trial, there's some implied cost there that might not be meeting the expectations associated with the product. Where something like get started now, it, it, it doesn't potentially raise up those anxieties. It, doesn't, it is more matched with the expectations of an offer around Applications. Now, I can hear some of you potentially arguing with me over the phone, and that's great. That's wonderful. That's what I'd like. And at the end of the day, we're going to run a test. And let me ask you this. I'm going to get into some key principles here for a moment, because honestly, this is just one test. And I've got lots of experiments to show you. I'm going to get John up here on the stage in a moment, and we're going to be looking at experiment after experiment, result after result of, ex- of examples of wonderful, effective calls to action. But here, in this specific moment, Marketer on the line, you are the philosopher, you are the scientist right now. You've, you've given me your hypothesis, now let's put it into action. What would you test next? And I, I, I want to stop here for a moment, because at the end of the day, I want you guys informing the experiments that we are running here. So you know, let's, let's run a follow-up call-to-action test to really try to understand what's going on in the cognitive psychology of the customer. Let's try to figure out what is... The motivation of the customer. What are the anxieties of the customers? What call to action would you test next? I see things coming in. Start here versus get started. Start for free. You know what? That's really a good point. And, I, and you know, John may speak to this in a moment. But one of the successful ones that was kind of a little bit offball was the one that incorporated the word free. And so, what, you know, the hypothesis there. And if we've seen you know with test over test, is that the word free implies a lot of value. Try it out might even lower, perhaps, the perceived value. Now, we did try now, so maybe try it out might actually be a good test to follow up with that, but um, keep it coming. Test it for yourself. That's an interesting one. Start for free. That's from Noah. Grab yours now. Take a look. Instant access. Start for free. These are great recommendations, and what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have my team look at all of these recommendations that are coming in, and, and we'll you know, see what we can find in terms of informing that Uh, You know, that series of experimentation, this is really good. But at the end of the day, this is what you have to do as a marketer. The goal isn't just to get a lift on this page. Yeah, we got a lift. Yeah, we figured out a call to actions better. The goal is, is, is not to just get a lift. It's to get a learning, to understand the customer. So, what is our learning here? What is our kind of aha here for you? What is the underlying principle that you need to get from this test? Well, here it is. I'm gonna go back because my slide jumped quick. There we go. Here it is. The call to action, and this is important, people. This is this is this is the main key principle, the main point for this presentation. The call to action cannot be viewed in a vacuum. I don't know how many of you on this call, when I, you know, when we had the title, Effective Calls to Action, your mind went straight to buttons. I don't know. But what we're saying here is the call to action encompasses more than just the button. It is an overall uh, piece, important piece, in the dialogue and the conversation of the customer. So, and I, I don't have time to go over this whole chart with you that's on the screen right now. Uh, we teach this chart in our, uh, our landing page optimization course about the moment of orientation, how you do that right. That's kind of more in the, two, the top two inches of your web page, And then the conversation, that's getting into the body copy. But then the value exchange. This is... Really, when we say call to action, we're talking about that moment where you're asking the customer to make a, 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 a significant exchange in value. Now, uh, argue, arguably, philosoph- uh, you know, philosophically, you could say you're asking them to make an exchange of value throughout the whole conversation. Yes, that is true. There's not just one yes. There's a series of micro yeses. Absolutely. But there's something here at the value exchange where you're stopping the momentum and you're saying Hey, will you do this? If you do this, I will give you this. Now listen, the button is a key piece of that. The link, whatever it is, is a key piece of that. But you know what? There's there's elements, just like on this page highlighted here, there's elements that are all included in that stage of the dialogue, in that stage of the conversation. And so my question today is this, and this really fuels the entire presentation. Let me go to it. Are there any underlying principles for creating and identifying high-performing calls to action? When we have a question like this. It requires us looking at all of our experimentation, all of our testing. I won't go into too much detail here, but basically, we've looked, we've looked at several, uh, several hundreds of experiments looking at calls to action. We looked at really a key subset of our research database. Oh, going back for the past decade, we looked at key creative samples, key uh, pages, key uh, experiments, uh, and basically from that, guys, and this is where I'm going to invite John Powell up to say stage, because see, John Powell was the main, main driver in leading this initiative. Come on, John. From that, John, if I understand it, we have drawn five key principles related to calls to action.
0: Right. <clears throat> so, uh, one thing that you guys need to keep in mind as you're listening today is that in this particular pattern analysis, while there are even more tests that actually incorporated the call-to-action into the variable cluster. For this particular analysis, we isolated variable clusters that were just limited to yes. this call-to-action area so that you guys could get the most findings from it. So just finding those isolated case studies was an exercise in of itself, but we were able to identify several awesome. of them. Awesome, and we're going
1: to show you those in a few minutes. Right. So, I, you know, uh, time is of the essence, it's going fast. So John, what I want you to do, so the audience because what we'd like to do is get through the principles and then actually pull up some live pages from the audience right. and maybe try to start applying them to specific context. Right. So in today's clinic we're going to walk through five key principles. So John, what did you discover?
0: All right. Well let's talk about the first principle and that's of I'm calling it the principle of alignment. And it really is about this. This call to action of yours needs to be aligned really to a specific customer need or desire. And what I mean by that is this. Do they like the color blue or do they like the color red? I did a test with my daughter who was at the time six months. I put a purple flower and a pink flower and I said I want to see which one she reaches for first, which is her preferred color. And then I did it in multiple iterations and I found out that purple was it for that particular time being. So how does this translate to your calls to action? Notice right here that you've got a you know, call to action header and then a button. Very straightforward. I want you to pay attention to something very closely. This call to action really assumes that the customers are going to find value in this online budget analysis, okay? They're looking for analysis. They're looking for a budget analysis. They wanna understand their problem. But we had a hypothesis. We wanted to understand the effect of changing the focus of um, what we're proposing for them to do into this, estimate my monthly payment. This is more solution focused and it's more immediate. We wanted to understand the difference in performance. The result, 7% increase in clicks, but here's the key, 125% increase in conversions. So we get the same amount of people, some more, but in the end, we're getting the significantly uh, greater amount, okay? Just by changing the focus of what we're going to provide them, what we're going to exchange them. The next thing, this is really interesting. We've got a call to action set that's assuming really, and this is a popover, that most arriving customers are interested in finding uh, the right information. So you've got everything from learning about um, the different uh, product options, you've got the comparing and then getting free access, right? So this is the hypothesis that that's where they're at in the stage. And and these, John, just to be clear, these are three calls to action. Yes, these are three specific calls to action. And and we're focusing on the substance here. Now here's the hypothesis. Is the customer more interested that's arriving at this place? Are there more customers? Is the customer more interested in three kind of degrees of first steps? So instead of taking them along an information journey, we're trying to discover if they're more interested in these next steps, like webinars, a demo, and a live account. And they all represent different levels of commitment. The result, 35% increase in clicks. Same kind of design, different substance. Excellent. Excellent. And one final example, just for this particular issue, we've got uh, one from uh, TP1637. This is a really interesting one, because uh, this call to action is really kind of doing a catch-all it's request more information. I don't know how many of us kind of dump everybody into that. And, and even the body copy specifies all the different things that you can do here. But we had a hypothesis. What if you added, almost, it's almost kind of a duplicate in a sense, because we talk about it in the, in the original from this. What if there are a group of people, very specific group that want to know, boom, cost. I'm ready for cost. I don't want a conversation. I want to get straight down to the information I'm looking for. What was the result? 229% increase in sales qualified leads. Excellent. Which, uh, it's amazing. So when you combine those two groups, you see a significant difference. It-
1: Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to it soo- say, it sounds to me, just you know, correct me if I'm wrong, so one of the things you discovered in this analysis, well, it, it seems like it's connecting to some degree to value proposition, to appeal, yes. and, and, and aligning specifically to whatever it is that is appealing to that particular customer.
0: Right. There's a story behind everything that's bought. It's something that I, I constantly say, and what you're trying to do essentially is connect to that story. Yes. What is it that they're looking for at that particular time, and what is it that they're most interested in, relevance, importance, urgency? So with that, um, let's move on to the second discovery. Yep. Uh, this is the principle of timing. And uh, what, we're really, uh, what we really kind of discovered here is that the most effective calls to action are presented at the right time in the conversation with the customer. And when I say conversation, um, I want you to really think about a dialogue. Have you ever uh, had that moment where you felt like somebody asked you something too soon? When they, uh, looking for a commitment for you or, you were waiting for them to ask you but then they never did and they asked it late and it was too late. That's kind of what we're talking about here and the same thing occurs on pages. So take a look at an example. Here on this particular page, arriving customers see a call to action immediately. If you can look there in the top uh, corner, you've got request more information and you've got everything about the different programs that they could do. But I want you to take a look at this. The team hypothesized that Customers weren't really ready to be hit with commitments, so they took that same exact kind of call to action and moved it into a tab and colored tab. Same exact information, same exact product kind of details. And uh, surprisingly, 120% increase in conversion. And that's because, and I'm going to just make
1: it, so what you discovered is that because that goes against a lot of best practices you hear on the web, right? So right. Uh, Hiding the call to action almost. I mean, I hear keep the call to action above the fold, right? Right. Uh, but this, you hid the call to action, and it was effective because they weren't ready for it.
0: Yeah, and you know, if, if you asked, you know, if they're not ready for the ask, then don't ask. Otherwise, you're going to get a response that you're not looking for or you don't want. Same thing in relationships. If they're not ready to be asked for a date, don't ask them, you'll ruin the whole thing. Don't say, I love you too early, what is that rule? Right? Don't, they say, don't be the first to say it. Listen, that comes the same thing here. Let's take a look at another exa- example, and you might be surprised by this one. This particular page is the same thing. It hits them immediately. This page makes a similar kind of hypothesis with a time-delayed pop under. But here is the result, a significant decrease. Interesting. And again, the principle here is this, that sometimes above-the-fold works specific to where they are at in the conversation. So you, if you're trying to do testing on branding versus non-branded ads, for example, I've discovered that non-branded particular ads in paid search actually have more of those I need the call to action later on in the sequence, whereas the branded group, they may have an understanding or a, a well enough understanding that they are going to, again, just, they just need to know what's next. And this
1: is this is really, honest, right, so I just want you to clue in on this for a moment because we just saw two tests that basically took the same tactic, moving the call to action, almost hiding it, moving it out of uh, the initial part of the conversation, and right. then making it later in the process. And one improved conversion, one decreased conversion. So, right. I mean, it all. Now, now, have you guys in, in the research did you discover kind of like like. When would you want it earlier, and when would you want it later? Is there any patterns in that? Yes,
0: um, and uh, one thing that we did discover too is that duplicating calls to action, having one above and below, is not ideal. Um, it's, it's always one, typically, or the other. Um, and if you duplicate it, it either does nothing, or it hurts. So, um, and the, the key here is the motivation level. Look at your metrics. Try and get an understanding of how much they understand already. In fact, go to the multiple columns clinic, that we recently did in the last month or two, and you're going to get a really detailed explanation of the phenomenon that's occurring, at least our hypothesis of that. Good. So just pay attention to where they are in the conversation. Excellent, excellent. Let's take a look at the third principle now, okay? And this is the principle of absorption. Now, this, I, want you to, I want you to understand that this is different than, say, clarity. Clarity, you know, you could argue that clarity and absorption could be the same thing, but I want to focus you on the subconscious. Okay, This is not conscious. This is them scanning the page and trying to make an immediate judgment. You're looking through your mail, and you're determining which one is junk and which one is not. Okay, And you don't even know how you're doing it. You're just doing it. The same principle is here, um, apply the call to action. Here's a very uh, interesting test where the call to action, the desired one, for them, for the customer to create an email alert, because again, now you're going to have them You're going to really have a relationship, a recurring relationship. It's difficult to see. I mean, I have to kind of stare, and this is just a part of the page. This isn't the entire page, right? So it's hidden. There's going to be a group of people that don't see it. That was the hypothesis. So they made a test. What if we separated? So you see the show all quarterly reports. They separated those tabs. They put a little space. They changed the design so that they could be uh, just focused on that. And they didn't say create email alert. They use it in the headline, they said turn on or off. What is the result? Uh, Here we go, let's click. 2,793% increase in alerts created. Again, just by changing the immediate processing, the subconscious processing, that's the hypothesis here. Another example. So here you've got three columns, three calls to action, but. And the idea is to get them into a program of interest, a specific program. And the hypothesis that the team had is that that's just too much, okay? They can't process that subconsciously, and there's going to be a group of people that stop. Mm -hmm. Because they can't process it that quickly, they just get frustrated. So they simplified it. Same subjects, same folks, except a few programs. Take them a step earlier. The result, 177% increase Mm -hmm. in click through so uh, again, that's not an issue, a change in substance, as much as it's a change in the form and the design of those calls to action. How quickly and easily can they process? A lot of those links versus buttons tests, though they don't produce significant, like large gains in the return, they do kind of say the same thing. And what we've done here is brought some of the examples that produce a little bit more of a return. Yeah,
1: and let, let me just say to this audience, uh, you know, to, to John's point here, um, I, I mean, we see so, and we may even have something to light up. But we, we see so many pages where you can't even tell what to click. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's no way the audience is absorbing, or, or even even able to find the call to action. Like, sometimes images are calls to action. The audience doesn't even know. Or the buttons, like if they're links, like sometimes they don't even underline. You don't know they're buttons, or they don't look clickable. And little slight changes like that, like you're showing the audience, can seem to have an impact yes. on, m- given the audience ability to subconsciously absorb the fact that hey, that is a call to action. That's what right. you're asking me to do
0: absolutely w- really quickly final example here we won't spend too much time on it um, as you can see it's the same exact information if you if you study it it's really the same exact and you're asking them to make the same decision but here's a case where you're all the buttons are to the same place yeah. exact same place interesting the result 36 percent increase in paid subscriptions again processing now the next principle I'd like to focus on is this is more of an optimization 200. You're here because you care, you're smart, and this is why we're including this subtle but very important finding. It's called a principle, I call it the principle of negation. And it's like tunnel vision, okay? It's different from alignment in that alignment, you're trying to get the right color, but negation is it's so vivid that you don't see anything else. It's when my wife goes into Ann Taylor, when she goes into Forever 21, There's a lot of dresses that are alike, but she says that one and boom, she's there, right? Same thing. So let's take a look at some examples. Here are three where I'm not sure in the mind of the customer which one is going to be the most ideal path for me. I can't really make heads or tails of it regardless of where I'm in the process or what I'm interested in. Here, we have a very clear understanding Okay, one is for somebody that just wants to know if they've if they got a problem. Another one is somebody that wants to know if they should take pills. And then finally, for those who have tried everything. The result, 331% increase. Let's take a look at another one. We're going to slow down on this one. This is e-commerce. You have three products. And the only thing that I can tell, just from a subconscious kind of, uh, I'm looking, I can only see the difference. This is price. Price and name you study those points you're trying to figure it out you're trying to make sense of it we took those same substance and you really if you think about it we just added clarity so now i can see which one fits me without even reading it mm. and then i can drill down into the details now i can associate price with amounts mm. now i can associate product tiers with the entire thing all of a sudden i can have I can immediately understand what's next or what's my ideal path, at least better. And the result, 63% increase in revenue per visit and 41% increase in revenue per conversion. So as you could see, more people were going to the cheaper one in the control and now we're able to help the customer group find the one that was right for them. Excellent, excellent. This seems to be a principle that would apply for
1: people that are dealing with multiple prospects or multiple Absolutely. products or really having to have kind of a, a, you know, different
0: messages, even different calls to action on the same page. Right, and um, if you want to know more about this pr- principle, go to our multiple customers clinic because we have a whole section on writing copy for this particular issue. And We have a follow-up test to the one I just showed you. It's really interesting. and will help you in this principle. Excellent. Finally, let's do the last principle and that's principle of redundancy. So ultimately, reemphasize the value. Um, it's the thing that happens when my wife wants to be absolutely sure that I sent something to the printer and then I'm going to pick it up because it's important to her. Um, So how does that look like on a page? We have an add to cart pop-up. You add it to cart and it shows you what you just did. And all it has here is the essential information. But our researchers asked the question, what would be the effect of re-emphasizing something they've already seen at this particular part of the process? The guarantee. The results? 37% increase in conversion. Very interesting how a seal could have that much effect on the end result. Here's another example. This is really a a nice lead gen example where we have two pages. And seriously, this is the only thing that changed. They added this small testimonial. That is it. 35% more. And, And ultimately, again, to kind of wrap up these principles, You see some subconscious, you see some conscious, but really it's not necessarily about buttons. This is not a button uh, clinic per se or a text clinic. In fact, what we discovered, just another preliminary finding, is that changing button text produced oftentimes a smaller amount of results compared to some of these things. And, um, you know, there's some outliers, but they're very few. So the real issue here is what is the entire call to action and how do these principles how can these principles help you mold that call to action to more effectively connect with the customer? Excellent. Thank you, John. Thank you very much, man. Um, so there,
1: there you go. So you know what you just walked through, and it was, it was, it was a lot of good, valuable information. Lots of cases. I'll show sure you this. Let me just review it with you. I'll pull it up on the screen. The principle of alignment, the principle of timing, the principle of absorption and ne- negation and, uh, and redundancy. Um, you can see those John walkthroughs and let me just guarantee you, I know that some of you are probably th- wanting to think about some of those. Uh, what I would encourage you to do what, when you get these slides, these slides are going to come to you, be able to review all the examples, review the case studies, uh, review the explanation of these principles. I would say go, go look at your own pages and ask yourself, you know, how well is your call to action? Not just your button, your call to action, the whole stage of the process align to the customer motivations? How is it in the right moment of timing? Don't just follow rules because what we've seen from test to test, keeping things above the call to action, sometimes it works, sometimes it hurts bad, okay? The principle of absorption, how well can your customer absorb your buttons? You know, if you're, if you're offering multiple calls to action, are you really enabling your customer to focus on that one that's specific and relevant to them, how well are you helping them do that, guiding them, directing them? And then finally, the principle of redundancy, reinforcing that value, re- reinforcing the, the reduction of anxiety. So there's your principle. So, again, looking at over a decade of experimentation and testing what makes an effective call to action, well, here it is. It's those five things. How well aligned is it? Timing, absorption, negation, and redundancy. Um, I've had many questions come in. We'll try to get to those offline for you. Uh, thank you for submitting. Thank you for joining. What I want to do, uh, what I want to do is I want to just look at one page. I want to get it up uh, real quick uh, and just see if we can apply some of these rules to that one page, John. So John, stand by. Before I do, what you see on your screen right now is a, is a, is a promotion for the Web Optimization Summit. Uh, man, they keep slipping these things into the slide deck, Web Optimization Summit 2014. It's great. It's fine. If you like this kind of information, we're actually uh, considering doing an entire, like, even more in-depth dive into calls to action and even having almost a workshop around recrafting, you know, little things on your page, like, that can, have, that can have a dramatic impact. So if that's something you'd like to see or if you'd like to come, check out the Web Optimization Summit. There you see the URL at the bottom of your screen. We're actually going to be at the Time Center this time. It's going to be a neat, awesome uh, it's going to be a great time, so you want to check that out. But let's go to application right now. John, come up here, okay? And I, I want to see how well you're getting these principles, okay? There's five principles. Look at this page right now. I'm going to go a little over time. Look at these principles right now. See the call to action, okay? And I want to say this. There's, there's more than one call to action on this page, we'd argue, right? Uh, what I want you to do is I want you to focus on that, on that uh, green one right there, okay? The green button there underneath the banner. And I want to ask you this. How, based on what you've learned and what you've seen with examples, would you improve that call to action? Tell me right now. What do you see? What could you do? Give you a chance to have these these comments come on in. Good. Bigger font. Get it. Okay, now now, a little bit of a lag there. Now they're flowing in like crazy. It doesn't tell me why to click outline the box, get start now, bigger font. So there's, a, there's, a, there's obviously an absorption issue in some sense with the bigger font. So right. John, looking at this, based on the principles, what are some small things that, uh, that Jay, who submitted this, could do to this page and get perhaps a, a decent lift with the call to action?
0: Okay, let's start with the top. So we've got a timing issue. Uh, you know, you're, you're asking for a webinar. A webinar is more than to find out now. So unless you have customers that are highly motivated and, and they've already had a long conversation with them, that's probably in the wrong place. The next thing is, let's take a look at absorption. Um, You're right, audience, on that, that and now I've got three and four, I'm not sure which one, and then I've got little icons at the bottom here that if you scroll down, they're like little arrows down the bottom. I don't know if those are download buttons or what, but now, because they're presented that way, now it makes it difficult for me to hone in and focus on something. And even then, it's not categorized in, in some form of alignment. Uh, let's take a look here at, um, now I'm taking a closer look at distinction. That's the issue of like even the resources. Um, let's just pretend that you're trying to reach different audiences with each of these papers. I can't distinguish the difference between one or the other in terms of an interest. Or uh, even um, listen to webinar replay and, and find out now. Again, it's, there's a lot, ha- the absorption kind of goes into that issue. So a lot of these are crossing over. And then redundancy. Um, There's, again, you've got a phone number, you don't have anything supporting either of these uh, calls to action, all of them, um, that really supports a reason why. So, you've really got uh, just about every issue that I can find on this page. And even the headline within the calls to action, is your big data solution production ready? Mm -hmm. That doesn't tell me what I'm going to get. So, um, there's an alignment issue in just that one. What would I do? Get rid of the banner. Start with the one that you've got. Find out now. Then you can test multiple ones there. Get that subheader right. Your headline even is connected to it. I don't know what big data means. We've got a, a guy here we call big data. Um, you, It might be him, but um, you know, because he's just so big into data, but that's the thing, right? It's a very vague headline, and, and, it, and it means something to a particular segment of audience out
1: there that, that knows and they have passion about big data, but for probably not all of your audience, you probably don't
0: know, and what is big data and why is it valuable, absolutely. Right, and finally, find out now, Um, find out what? Um, Is your big data solution production ready? Um, What about some form of an estimation process? What about some form of a calculator? Okay, calculate now, okay, give them something that they could like be intrigued and see a result that looks more than just a sales pitch. Like even just the wording there can provide a bit more not just alignment, but a bit more of a negation because I want to get that particular metric. I want to see how I rate against other companies that are production ready, things like that. Excellent. Thank you, John. Thank you. All right, audience.
1: let me ask you this. We got a, 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 a suggestion from an audience member who said they'd like to see more time spent looking at pages and applying principles to actual pages. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a wonderful suggestion. A lot of times, uh, you know, a lot of times we don't get to look at many pages on, on these webinars. So let me ask you this. Would you like, just let us know in your question answer feature, would you like us to maybe take an entire web clinic like this and just look at your pages? Take some teaching on call to action like this or a uh, web optimization? Oh, wow. Okay. see lots of yeses. Uh, hell yeah from Stan thank you Stan okay well you know we'll look at potentially getting one of those into our schedule coming up very soon to do a live-up clinic uh, and maybe even try to invite Dr. McLaughlin onto the call to do that with you very soon all right I have a question for you it's a test okay I'm going to leave you with this all right before you go I want you to uh, test your marketing intuition for a moment this is going to be unique for some of you some of you focus on web pages but we don't just test web pages. We're also testing things like call scripts or uh, voicemail scripts, and in this test in particular, it was a voicemail script for a well-known insurance carrier, okay? A little bit different. I'm going to show you the treatment, okay? You're going to see a lot of copy on the page. Look at this treatment right now. It should be up on your screen. It should be coming up on your screen if you can't see it, as long as it takes a little bit of time going around the world. All right, hello, my name is Lisa, and I'm calling with... Blank Insurance Company, you'd recognize the brand if we had it there. We are currently the fifth largest insurance carrier in the nation, offering competitive rates and solutions to help ease administration burdens. When we spoke, when we last spoke, you told me that you work with a broker for your price quotes for the group life benefits. You can read the rest of it. So there's the first look at that, digest that. Here's treatment B. Guys, we're talking about a few word changes here. When we last spoke to you, we moved that sentence up to the top. When we last spoke to you, we told you that you, uh, you told me that you work with a broker for your price. So we moved that up in the conversation. Basically, we're rearranging the pieces here. So I'm going to put them side by side so you can see. Take a look at both of them and give me your gut right now. Okay, listen. You know what? This might be you being called, okay? You get a call. Someone leaves you a voicemail. And let me ask you this. Which of these voicemails, or, yeah, voicemails would you respond to more? Because the, 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 uh, the, the conversion rate here is callbacks, all right? So which of these do you think will generate more callbacks? I see a lot of Bs. I see a couple A's. Mostly B's coming in here. Both are too long, says Stan. You are bold there, Stan. B, 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 A, 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 triple A. A, B, okay. Well, the results are, you're going to have to wait till next web clinic to look at the results of this test. We're going to be looking at not just voicemail scripts, but different kinds of scripts. We're going to be looking mostly at the lead nurturing process, not only from a sales standpoint, but from the marketer out there who has to qualify leads and work with leads. So, you want to join that clinic, lead nurturing testing. We're going to look at research that reveals... Uh, how slight changes can can make some dramatic impacts to your lead nurturing programs. Guys, that is all for today. Thank you for joining the web clinic. We went over a little bit today. hope you don't mind. Uh, that was bonus, no charge there. Uh, these clinics are made free to you. Uh, we're glad to do that. Um, all we ask is that if you enjoyed this clinic, that you would share it with one of your friends. What we want to do here is we want to build a community of marketers that desires to test and not just to test, but to, 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 to learn what is working online. If you're interested in running a test on your own webpage, page, uh, in the post... Clinic survey. You can check a box right there. It says research partnership opportunities. Guys, we have a aggressive research agenda for the rest of this year, and uh, we would love to have you a part of that. Uh, somebody, I mean, every test you saw in this clinic today was a part of people like you partnering with us to test questions that we all have. So, again, let us know what you thought of the clinic in the post-survey. Uh, glad to have you on here. Thank you for your time. Thank you, John. Thank you, the entire team out there. because I have a whole AV staff running all the equipment, the cameras, the questions. Uh, thank you, guys, and we'll see you back here in a couple weeks.
0: Thank you for listening to this recording of a Marketing Experiments Live Web Clinic. You can sign up to receive invites to future live web clinics, as well as receive access to $10 million worth of internet marketing research at marketingexperiments.com.